Oh, ten, oh, ten. Oh, oh, oh God. Five, oh, shit. Five, four. Did you turn off the oven? Three, two, two one. Live from Hubble Park. They're putting a boot on your car. Look at it, giant ball. It's a big ball. It's, uh, look at it. It's coming down. joyous holiday mood because you are cordially invited to the Blockbuster Film School holiday party. We've been drinking tequila and like most work holiday parties, it's fun, I guess. And then later it'll get more fun. And then you'll kind of maybe kiss one of your coworkers, but you can never speak of it ever again. Shh, be quiet. I'm Alex Bonner. I'm one of your hosts, joined as always by your more fabulous holiday host, Mr. Nicholas Souder. Brian's always ashamed of my cousin. I had some tequila also when I went and took off my belt. <laughs> I, uh, I, this is a thing I did earlier. <laughs> we weren't recording then. I uh, took off my belt. He's not wearing any clothes. And I popped a uh, microdose of mushrooms. Ooh. Getting a little holiday party. It's legal. Jake Plummer, former quarterback. He now runs a mushroom farm in Colorado. <laughs> I don't know why I brought that up, but I find it very amusing. And we are joined as always by the wonderful mega host, the Santa really of the Blockbuster Film School, Mr. Brian Tepps. Oh yeah. <sighs> Brian, you want to say something? <laughs> All right. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> and usually in the holiday episodes for anywhere ever, they choose usually Crimbus or Hanukkah or I don't Kwanzaa. know. Kwanzaa, I suppose, in some sort of special episode of some sort of sitcom. And that's what they choose for the holiday episode. However, here at the Blockbuster Film School, we're going to do something just a touch different this year. We've chosen one of the sort of more iconic, particularly scenes that happen in Hollywood, as well as just cinema throughout the world. It is the New Year's Eve where a ball flies down from the heavens. And when it does, a bunch of rich drunks in Manhattan decide that it is a new year. It's much more a failed metaphor than an actual holiday. (laughs) But uh, people get the day off. That is true. So we get fucked up. New Year's Eve and... I'm going to go on a side subject here. No, do it. New Year's Eve, Cinco de Mayo, St. Patrick's Day. These are all holidays ruined by amateur hour white people who don't actually drink. Agreed. If you are a professional drunk, Mm -hmm. these days are just, well, it's cutting into my Tuesday drinking, (laughs) but I'll just be fine with it. (laughs) It was something that always blew my mind where there are actual people in the world who only drink on holidays, right? Like that's a thing that they do. Not everyone, but there are these people and particularly New Year's Eve. And as someone who for many, many moons was a bartender, uh, super producer Brian Tepps has some bartending experience. Nicholas Sauter has some bartending as well as just general hospitality experience. And Mm. you know, as well as I do. How can I give it back? (laughs) That for whatever reason, whatever it's Friday or Saturday night at the bar, Maybe somebody's an idiot, but usually people 
have gone to a bar before, but on New Year's or as you said, say Patrick's Day or something like that, there are literally people who come out of their caves into the bars and they've decided to wear sparkly dresses and no underwear, but are going to fall down on the ground, puking on themselves and then go, I'm fine, I'm fine. And you can actually see their yeah. butt and you're like, please, for the love of fucking God, I got to call an ambulance. You're puking all over the place. I'm all over the place. Like, see, the problem is these people, mm-hmm. how do I put this nicely? Mm-hmm. They're fucking sheep. These are the people who are Joe Rogan. (laughs) Sorry. No, these, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going Joe Rogan route, but let's face it. What time is it? Uh, Later in the evening. It's late. It's 1230 AM, right? (laughs) We have been drinking, recording a podcast. We're recording a podcast. I just did a double at my stupid job. And then in seven hours, I have to go open up this goddamn restaurant again. Yes. I'm microdosing on mushrooms and I'm drinking. I love this it. This is something people do. At Blockbuster. At Blockbuster Film School, but also people who have service industry jobs. The people who do this dumb shit at the bars, I, I, I'm i going to get, I'm going to have a few drinks on New Year's Eve. And they get wasted. They tell their husband they're still in love with Kevin, who they <laughs> dated when they were in seventh yes. grade. And then he's these like. People, <laughs> these people just live their lives the way they're supposed to. The way everyone's like, oh, it's like, oh, that's great. They've never worked service jobs. They don't know how to act in restaurants. They don't know how to drink on holidays. These are the people who have the nervous breakdowns and the midlife crisis because they're not just going, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to get wasted, go to work hungover. I'll be sober by 10. I agree with this. I agree with this entirely. But it leads me into the episode because. Oh, my God. We're actually doing, yeah, we're part doing an episode. Of, part, no, you bring up a very good point. This is called a transition that. Part of why I think people have idealized New Year's Eve is because of cinema. Yeah. There's an element where they feel that cinema is a time to create a New Year's unlike any other New Year's. The movie magic. Oh, at any moment, Kevin could come back. Kevin could come back and give you a kiss and steal you away as the confetti falls down. In the new year. Yeah. They didn't get this from like folklore or no. they got it from, from the movies. From the movies. People have always been celebrating New Year's into ancient antiquity for sure. There have always been New Year's celebrations. But the particular modern concept of, at least in the United States, the ideas that we have of a lot of what New Year's is and how we behave and why we're doing it and new what we year, do on it. You. Woo! Woo! Oh, I have to wear a plastic top hat. Like that. Where often. are my 2023 sunglasses? <laughs> that comes from the movies. Yeah. And just to give you a quick Blockbuster Film School history real fast, in the early days of cinema, since most of it in the silent film black and white era There wasn't a ton of holiday stuff. And then as you got into sound, you did see, obviously, the big hits. You saw definitely Crimbus show up as fast as it could. And then you started to see things for particularly Halloween, horror movies, things like that. But along with it, there was definitely elements of New Year's that started to show up. Kind of one of the first ones was a Charlie Chaplin film called The Gold Rush. Have you ever seen The Gold Rush, Nick? Yeah, this is Matthew McConaughey and <laughs> Kate Hudson. Yes, Gold Rush is in. Or Gold Rush Hour, starring Jackie Chan 
and the guy from Chris Tucker. The Fifth Element. Yes, Chris Tucker. And if you've never seen The Gold Rush, you should do yourself a favor, in my opinion, and watch a couple of the great Charlie Chaplin films, just in general. The Gold Rush is up there. It's pretty great. And it has a New Year's scene in it. A New Year's scene that starts the movie and ends the movie. And at the beginning of the movie, Charlie Chaplin is stood up for New Year's Eve. His lady friend who's supposed to meet him for the New Year's Eve party does not meet him. So he goes off into the Old West. He leaves his old life. And he lives this whole different life as like a prospector cowboy. And things get crazy. And then when he's older and he's made some money after all these adventures, he is at another New Year's Eve party. He's rich. It's kind of like the opposite of There Will Be Blood, right? He basically has the same storyline as There Will Be Blood. But instead, now he's a sad old millionaire. But at the New Year's Eve party, the lady friend that he always was in love with, she shows up. And then they get together at the end, right? And I only bring this movie up particularly because, A, it's pretty good of the Charlie Chaplin movies. And it kind of goes with what we were talking about, which is that from that moment on, Hollywood was like, oh, shit. The idea of New Year's Eve as capable of magic, good and bad. Bad at the beginning, good at the end. Ooh, it has much power in the movies. And it went from there. Overly dramatic bullshit. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what New Year's Eve is. No, I know. Like, that's the whole, but it's, I hate it. I don't hate it, but I feel like New Year's Eve is one of those ones where it doesn't really have like a set concept. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Like Thanksgiving, you're, you're supposed to just be thankful. <laughs> you're supposed to hang out with your family and eat food and watch football and be thankful that you have any food to eat, you degenerate. Halloween, you're supposed to dress up in costumes and talk to ghosts and be spooky and have fun and eat candy. Like New Year's Eve has kind of these nebulous concepts. Like sometimes it's very romantic. Sometimes it's very tragic. Sometimes it's very good there's a new year. Sometimes it's yeah. very bad there's a new year. Sometimes, you know, it just kind of has whatever you want it to be. You know? my, my favorite New Year's Eve mm. was uh, me and Jen Wattman on Mushrooms. We were supposed to go to some punk party on Western. We wandered into some fucking weird, like, phantom thread party where everybody <laughs> was in tuxedos. And we literally got stopped right away. Like, are you guys lost? And we're like, yeah, where's the punk band? They're like, well, not here. And then we look around like, oh, shit, we got here. And then we just wandered around. You're at smoking. the Overlook Hotel. Maybe. I don't know, man. We got out, though. I would say my favorite New Year's is at New Year's is this, as well are the ones that were kind of not planned. Yeah. The ones where you ended up at some party you weren't expecting to be at or you were just ended up hanging out with your friends doing something fun. Yeah. Was, usually if you try to plan something, you try oh, it's to- it's a disaster. Oh my God. How many like weird marriage proposals and shit like are just, not for me, but I'm saying like as a bartender, I've seen on New Year's Eve, but everyone's a drunken shit show because champagne comes out early and the amateurs don't understand. You can, you can drink like one glass of champagne. Like you got to like relax on that shit. Actually, you just reminded me there was one New Year's <laughs> Eve where- I was like, you cannot puke by drinking champagne. <laughs> 40 minutes after we rang in New Year's, I'm outside. I'm on the south side. Somebody is watching me puke. I'm like, hold on a second. Take my, I was wearing a tie. Throw it over my shoulder. 
And then I'm like, will you hold the garbage can open? They hold it up. And I just go, Bleh. like it was the most <laughs> delicate puke I've ever done in my life. And they're like, was that all champagne? I go, oh, oh my God, I'm going to die. And then I was just wasted until January 3rd. <laughs> that makes sense. I was going to go into a much grosser thing, but I'll digress for a second. Um, after that, the New Year's stuff appears in some movies, but it's not as big a concept in particularly 20s and 30s cinema as much. There's definitely some New Year's scenes and things like that, but it particularly takes off after World War II. After World War II, if you're unfamiliar with American history, uh, the economy in the United States kind of got way bigger than it ever had been before. It was doing very well. And Hollywood particularly was also doing gangbusters in like the fifties and sixties. And the movies that had kind of that last era, the golden era of cinema started to have more of these scenes where particularly the guy who pops in my mind is Busby Berkeley. Do you know Busby Berkeley, Nick? Mm -hmm. He's the guy who shot everybody at Ohio state. (laughs) Dark. Um, Buzz Bur- out. <laughs> no, it's all staying in. It's New Year's, baby. It's the holiday Woo! party. Take your shirt off. New Year, new me. <laughs> As we always say, my resolution is to start wearing hats. You guys going to be cool with that? I'm going to start wearing maybe like a fedora. Trilby's. <laughs> Ooh, Straight Trilby. Bowler hat, possibly. Uh, good day, lady. And I just get punched in the face. So after World War II, there are these movies that start to show up. Busby Berkeley, if you don't know who he is, if you've ever seen a scene of The Simpsons or anything where there's like a choreographed dance number where people then end up in a pool and then are swimming in a choreographed dance. And then that kind of concept of what New Year's Eve looks like, right? Of tuck and tails and confetti and bobbles and glass and light shining. Yes, is absolutely Busby Berkeley and the light fantastique, right? And that look of Busby Berkeley movies becomes kind of the iconic look of New Year's in the United States because of cinema. After that, there's definitely some cool ones. There's an affair to remember. And my particular favorite is An American in Paris, a Gene Kelly movie. You ever seen that movie? That actually has an amazing New Year's scene at the end. But once again, very similarly, where Gene Kelly is this amazing dancer and he's in Paris and he can't decide which lady he likes more, whether he likes the cool Parisian lady dancer or the more button up, tough American theater owner. And uh, he has to decide and it comes down to New Year's Eve and you don't know. And this would then go into John Hughes would watch these movies and the John Hughes ending at the prom is most certainly like the New Year's Eve movies. After that, it shows up in lots of movies. But as I said, in the 80s and 90s is where I think for us in our mega wheelhouse in the blockbuster wheelhouse, that's where it really sort of gets nuts. This is normally the caveat at the beginning of the show. Nick, what was the first movie that you remember as like something involving New Year's or having a New Year's scene or really stood out to you? As cliched as it is, I'm pretty sure it's When Harry Met Sally. Oh, my God. I... It's fucking iconic. I think it's me too. Yeah. I mean, I, how is it supposed to be anything else? I mean, it's not the best thing in that movie, but it definitely is. Yeah. Absurdly iconic. It's one of those things. Rob Reiner 
has gone on to ruin not only New Year's Eve, but relationships <laughs> for fucking people who are friends with, with friends with people who are friends with Bruno animals, Kirby. friends with what you say, Bruno Kirby, Bruno Kirby, Bruno Kirby's dead because of Rob. Princess Reiner. Leia is dead because of Rob. Reiner. Yeah, good job, bro. No, when Harry met Sally is a great movie, but it's also. New year, new me, happy ending. I'm going to get the girl after all these years. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, that shit never happens. And when it does, you guys wind up living in a van down by the river. <laughs> hey, look, man, in this economy, having a van to live in is pretty sweet. Great. Yeah. Pretty sweet. There's no gas in it. Yeah. Whatever, man. Roof over your head. All right. I know. <laughs> you don't have to live in a tent. You don't live under the Kedzie Belmont underpass. I honestly think it might've been that for me as well. I've always liked that movie, but I particularly remember. And once again, iconic. Everyone's hair looks great. Everyone is wearing. Oh man. Meg Ryan's hair is amazing. Meg Ryan's hair is am- even Billy Crystal has the fluffiest hair he ever had in his entire life. Is that a compliment though? I mean, he's not a goddamn cat. <laughs> it just, when dudes don't have much hair, are you really having this conversation with me when, right now? When, when Are you having this when, conversation when with some me right people, now? Hold on, I have to, I have to hair explain to you. Oh, uh, when people, wow, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm just saying that the way that they light that whole movie, but the way that they light that scene, particularly where everything, once again, where everything it's seems fantasy, poss- everything seems possible, but yet something I like with Rob Reiner in that everyone's dressed like people you know, but in this movie. It's fantasy. Exactly. Like it just sort of, oh, I could also finally find love on New Year's Eve. I know I have lots of alt-right beliefs, but maybe, maybe someone will love me. I know that was very truncated because we're at the Hollywood video holiday party. These trade schoolers can really drink. Yes. It's a solid community college. Yeah. And there's plenty to talk about of New Year's in cinema, but that's boring. Who gives a shit? Instead, this evening, we are going to do something just a tooch different. We're going to fucking fight. Yeah. That also happens at holiday parties quite a bit. But usually it's like someone's crying and then it's more of like a slap fight, you know? Where it's oh, like, no. That same that same New Year's Eve, I was on the mm-hmm. south side. We were in Blue Island, by the way. I kept coming in and out a of A beautiful consci- island it is as well. Anyways, I kept coming in and out of consciousness. I woke up. I was like. What are they doing? And then I saw one lesbian throw another lesbian over her shoulder through a fucking table. <laughs> and I was like, I'm glad I was up for that. And there's <sighs> right back us out. I was just like, Vince McMahon shows up and just starts writing down notes. He's like, throw lesbian through, through table. table. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. There was one Bucktown pub holiday party for many moons because they took us to this place called the Haymarket which is a very strangely named bar here in Chicago because mm-hmm. they ran a highway through the actual Haymarket in which you literally had a lot of people die in riots and fights so that you could have an eight hour workday and unions and things like that. And they actually put a highway through it so that that would never happen again. And then they made a bar called the Haymarket. And they have like kind of pictures of people like maybe getting ready to fight for their rights, but it, they sell shitty burgers. Sorry, Haymarket, but they had I'm a, not sorry. They had a party there, and let's just say it turned into a bit of a shit show. So there wasn't a holiday party for a few years because there was def. As I said, I don't want to name any names or say anything specific, but there was 
people kissing each other who shouldn't have been kissing each other, people slapping each other who shouldn't be slapping each other, people crying who shouldn't have been crying. There is chill. allowed to cry. No, no, I more like crying over things that you wouldn't cry at at any other time okay, yeah, than mega drunk at a holiday. But you know what I mean? Yeah. That kind of concept. So I understand entirely is what you're saying. We don't have holiday parties at the restaurants. The owners are a different religion than us. Mm. So Christmas isn't really... Satanism. Yes. But when I worked for the photo company, we would always have our holiday parties at Diversity Bowl. Ooh. And it was open bar. <laughs> yeah, that was also the problem. <laughs> yeah, that was a huge problem. Unlimited tab, usually. <laughs> the first two years I worked there, just like, I don't know how I got home. The third year, I was with somebody, uh, one of my friends who worked there was like, I can't drink. I'm like, all right, well, I'm not going to drink. So I didn't drink. I just smoked copious amounts of weed by the river. And then he was secretly drinking the whole time. <laughs> His girlfriend came to pick him up. She still has never spoken to me. I'm like, I'm not drinking. I'm just high off my ass. <laughs> it's different. Yeah. And then I watched my manager who was like in charge of like the whole fucking city <laughs> do the classic thing where he goes to roll the ball down the lane, mm -hmm. doesn't let go, and then just falls flat on his fucking face. I mean, that's all. <laughs> it was, I was like, all right, it's time to go. Eric just bowled himself down the lane. We had the fuck out of here. <laughs> he munsoned himself. Um, he did. <laughs> So that's amazing. But it's time for the Blockbuster Film School Wall. So on the Blockbuster Film School Wall tonight, usually we have a very, very quick synopsis, but we'll talk a little bit about our four favorite pieces of cinema, not necessarily entire movies, because there's only a few movies that are entirely based around New Year's Eve. We can bring those up as well. Big surprise. They don't work as well as like Christmas or Halloween or even Thanksgiving. However, the scenes of New Year's are often some of the more iconic and often are usually involved in the climax or the inciting incident. So me and Nick are going to give you four badass blockbuster film school holiday picks. Happy holidays. I wouldn't go that far. Happy holidays. And then... We're going to give you a dumpster pick as well, because guess what? There's definitely some garbage. So, Mr. New Year's himself, Captain Nicholas Sauter, what is your first pick for your favorite piece of New Year's cinema? I'm going to go with Lady Bird. Ooh. It's in the middle of the movie. The scene is very brief. I would say, like, it's two minutes tops. It's one of those sobering New Year's where... Mm. You don't have anywhere to go <laughs> and you stay with your family and you have fun and they're mad at you for some dumb shit you did. But you like <laughs> everybody puts it aside for a moment. And in the movie, it's Lori Metcalf and Tracy Letts oh, yeah. and an amazing Sorcerer Ronan just standing on their lawn with the dude that plays her brother and the weird goth chick. And they just have <laughs> fucking... Um, sparklers and they're counting down and it's like the new year. And, yes. And then that's it. And it's just like, you know, I'm going to be 40 soon. I'm going to be like Brian's age soon. And 
<laughs> well, Brian's a vampire. He's, yeah, he's been know. lying he's, for a while. He's like he's, 275 yeah. years old. Well, the age he appears as. Yes, yeah, correct. Yeah. Right. Where he keeps lying. Be like, yeah. I'm 41. Yeah. Yes, that's what when I said When he showed before. up, he had a gray beard. It's already back to being all brown. Mm-hmm. So I've gotten to the point where like the holidays now with my family is just like the four of us and the dog. Before, it was like this big clunky mess where all these just assholes came over. <laughs> It was a fucking disaster. And clunky mess is a great thanks, yeah. description of family parties. Just loud dagos doing loud dago things. And just be glad you didn't die in Italy. Oh my God. Thank you, Tim Burton, for that <laughs> joke alone. I'll never get mad at him fully. But um, no, it's a simple concept. You spend the holidays with the people you love the most. Yep. And even if they aren't the people you want to be with. They're the most important to you and, right. you know, enjoy yourself. Fuck it. It doesn't mean anything. It means everything. It means all these sorts of different yes. things for everybody. And it's like they have Christmas and then it's New Year's and then she's back in school and just like this passing image, this passing day. But to Lori Metcalf's character, it meant everything to her. I agree. I love that scene and I love that movie. I think that movie is a great example of kind of exactly what you're talking about, of that life is kind of what you make. (laughs) Sometimes you're very mad at your family. Sometimes they're the best people you've ever met. You know, it's this sort of wild, man, that movie is amazing. I love that movie. Just like you said, New Year's always is this thing where there's Thanksgiving, which has kind of a set concept. There's Christmas, which has kind of a set concept or Hanukkah that has kind of a set concept. And then there's New Year's, which is like, it is the end of the game. Like, we've played this fucking three-month-long game starting at, like, Halloween, right? And we played the holidays, and it's finally over, right? Of holidays that people actually give a shit about in America. Like, it is over now. And what is New Year's? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) There were several New Year's where it was just... Me and you and whoever we're living with. Yeah. Watching aliens. Yeah. And me on mushrooms, either secretly or openly. Yeah. There was that one year where uh, New Year's Eve, we watched aliens. And then New Year's Day, we watched alien. It was super cold. There was all that snow. And then we try to watch the assembly cut of alien three, which we've. Oh, I don't know, my God. I don't know if we've actually mentioned this on the That is my dumpster pick for life. <laughs> Alien I don't care. Three is bad. I don't the assembly cut of Alien Three. I don't care what episode it is, where yeah. I am in my life. Holy shit, I, that's a turd. And I love David Fincher. I love truly. I would take a non-lethal bullet for David Fincher. I would take a shot like a riot, sh- like a riot like, gun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If someone shot like a fucking BB gun at David Fincher, I would jump in front of it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like I appreciate him as an artist a lot. And Alien 3 sucks. And I know it's not his fault all the way. Yeah, no. But, man. You guys take it-, it away from him? They lie to him? I would rather watch the director's commentary of <laughs> Benjamin Button <laughs> than watch the assembly <laughs> cut bringing of- up the two times that David Fincher <laughs> failed. <laughs> I just want to express how much I fucking hate that. <laughs> he made up for it. He made up for it. Oh, yeah. Leaps and bounds. Leaps and Bounds. Absolutely. Some of my favorite New Year's were just like, A, hang out with you guys and doing nothing. Yeah. Or like as a kid, like 
I'm sitting on the couch playing Game Boy and my grandma's watching the goofy fucking ball drop. And then after she goes to bed and I watch Conan O'Brien and he does the central time zone. Oh my God. It's like, I forgot. I was like, this is amazing. So many New Year's with Conan. (laughs) It's so good. I agree. My first pick, it is a 1995 film written by James Cameron, directed by his wife at the time and one of my favorite directors, Catherine Bigelow. There's a movie called Strange Days that is well, about my number one. Oh, did I? I'm sorry. It's all right. I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, I'll, I'll do an audible. Just go. That is set in the super futuristic year of 1999. <laughs> Four years ahead. Yeah. Shit has gone way wrong. And it is in the last two years. Which was last the, two days. Last two days. Sorry, last two days. I said years. Totally sorry. It's because we keep saying New Year's. Yeah, it's I getting, know. getting stuck in my head. The last two days before the millennium, which if you were alive in the 90s, for whatever reason, an arbitrary number was very big to people. They were very concerned that this was a big deal for many reasons. And uh, it's a neo noir. It was a giant box office bomb, but has kind of become, I'd say, a half cult classic it's also way ahead of its time agreed nick since i stole your center what is strange days about will you tell us what strange Days so, is about? uh strange days is set in a futuristic fantasy world where four years so, ahead of where four they years are. of where we were <laughs> where sony mini discs were still <laughs> popular in the thing to the point where they were outlawed because people were recording Basically, memories. Yeah, they're like cerebral cortex. Cerebral cortex memories and selling them in the black market. So you can go and like have sex with a hot lady. You could rob a fucking, uh, you could rob a convenience store, which is the opening of the film. And then Ralph Fiennes, fresh off of Schindler's List, and Angela Bassett, fresh off of her Oscar nomination for What's Love Got to Do With It, decide to make this insane sci-fi movie about, well, really, it's about Police brutality, it's 95, so it's after Rodney King. True. And that is still very much a real thing. Yes. Even it's gotten fucking worse. And then they sort of predicted how social media was going to work mm-hmm. because these people are just trading lives. They're trading their memories. They're watching them. They're like, nobody wants you to look at it. And now it's just like, all of this is pushed on us. Yes. But the main thing is he gets a jack that's what they call it one of the files the where jack. there is a murder committed on it. it's a snuff film mm-hmm. and then it turns out that the person who murdered that person was covering up a police brutality thing so like you said it's a noir it's a future film and like vincent d'onofrio's in it juliette lewis oh yeah tom sizemore that one dude from alien resurrection who's in all those movies michael wincott that, michael wincott's got that voice like he's yeah. smoking out of a trachea Fido. thing yes there's a very graphic Hard to watch assault scene in this. Oh, there's but other than that, yes, this movie is pretty fucking amazing. It is wild, and I understand why everybody did it because it's only a couple years after Terminator Two. It's written by Cameron, it's directed yeah. by Bigelow, it's produced by Cameron. And they're like, it's going to be the new Terminator Two, and then it wasn't exactly, no. but because <laughs> it cost forty two million dollars to make and made eight million dollars at the box office. I am a little surprised it made eight million dollars. Ebert loved this movie, though. Honestly, I love this movie. I agree with you. I And as you can imagine, and on brand, on theme, it culminates in a New Year's Eve scene. Yes. That is wild. Insane. And violent. And the special effects on it are still pretty rad. Yeah. And 
I think Strange Days is pretty effing cool. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. No, no, no. I said, I'll pick something else. That's fine. That's fair. Plus, I'm sure there's not enough New Year's Eve movies. Oh! We're going we're gonna to go back and forth like this the whole time. We got to talk about, are we there yet? That's got a New Year's Eve scene in it, I think. Does it? I don't know. I watched like some of it on TBS one time. I've never I think seen I, any of those I think movies. I remember that was in there. I think. Okay. I was like, wasn't that guy in NWA? <laughs> He's like, fuck the police. And now he's in this movie. America is weird. All right. Um, he also just turned down like $9 million because he refused to get vaccinated. Way to go, man. Way yeah. to go. Way and to then go. they talk to him. He's like, I didn't turn it down. They refused to give it to me because I didn't get vaccinated. It's like, that's the same thing. It's your choice, dude. Yeah. Like. Didn't, and I don't even get into this. No, no, no. We're Remember not had, like there's celebrities who like famously had like, I don't know, like for a, $9 million, they had, like, a, but they had like a brain tumor removed. Yeah. Right. So you're cool with doctors cutting open your brain and pulling something out. But then the doctor's like, get a vaccine. They're like, no, this guy's lying to me. Like, know, for, I'm just saying of the two things of like, get this shot or I cut your head open and take stuff out of your brain, which one I distrust more. I'm going to go. Brain, I think yeah. brain saw let's my brain. Also, let's like let's be honest. For nine million dollars, you could shoot me up with any disease you want. I don't give a shit. What the fuck? I look at my life. Look at what I am. Look at what this year is. But next year could be better. Next year could be better. Irish have to continually sing this song. It's gonna be better next year. Let's watch your number three. This is a pick for me. It's also a pick for the man who refuses to plug it in the goddamn microphone and talk on the thing. What are you talking about? It's me, Brian Tamps. Go, 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 go. <laughs> hey, as long as he doesn't he have a microphone, our, I'll, I'll speak for him. He controls our fate. Um, <laughs> number three is The Poseidon Adventure. Ooh. It is from, what, what 76? What? Wait, something bad happens on that boat? 72. So from 1972, yeah, they ran a shrimp cocktail. And then this everybody the buffet just, is out of fries. And they decided to put a hole in the boat and sand. <laughs> I've been on a carnival cruise line. They run out of fries. It's going to turn into fucking like Mogadishu in the fucking nineties. All right, sorry. Poseidon Adventure is about a boat that flips over, and there's a group of people. <laughs> just I haven't seen it in fucking forever. Foot three sixty. There's like these surfers and they're ninjas. <laughs> um, <laughs> basically, all you needed to know is that the Poseidon Adventure. Not Poseidon, no. the remake, although no. I love Richard Dreyfus Or the Greek god. Yes. We don't want to upset. Doesn't that piss you off? Uh, <laughs> Richard Dreyfus is not in this one. This is with, who's in this? Is Peter O'Toole in this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman. Oh, my God. Gene Hackman. Ernest Borgnine. Yes, yes. Before he was a fat mess. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of his charm. His whole thing. I know, yeah. <laughs> Before he was a weird cabbie on a New York hey, prison snake. island. <laughs> Thought you'd be taller. Anyways, Poseidon Adventure is a group of people trying to get through a capsized cruise liner <laughs> yeah. to the basically the bottom that's ass up, um, <laughs> ass up, windows down. That's Shelly the way Winters, it likes, too. I that's the way it likes to sink. This movie's amazing. It is one of those old school 70 disaster movies yes. uh, before Roland Emmerich decided to just turn in those things in the fucking garbage. <laughs> This and is like the, you know, the world. Sometimes there's like ice or something. Sorry. No, you're right. Also, <laughs> I don't know what they're doing now, but like it's a movie that's coming out, but 
Jake Gyllenhaal and Dennis Quaid were doing press together. Oh, no. They had no scenes together in The Day After Tomorrow, or they had one right. scene. Yes. And they were like, so you guys were in The Day After He's like, Jake Gyllenhaal lost his shit. He's like, oh, my God, I forgot you played my dad in that movie. <laughs> like, we never saw each other. But um, <laughs> this movie is different from all those shitty movies. They had three scenes, sorry. Because you care about the fucking the characters. Fact that you know how many scenes they had he, together. Brian Tepps loves disaster movies. Yeah, that's the true. The only thing that Brian loves more than Nine Inch Nails concert yeah. footage is watching the world burn I down. Know. I've seen his Dante's Peak tattoo. Yes. He is the person that Michael Caine's talking about who throws out the rubies <laughs> in the fucking jungle for the kids. You care about these characters. There's that old man and the old lady. The old lady is like, I was captain of the swim team. I could hold my breath for four minutes. And then she swims through and gets the shit and all that other thing. And then she just fucking dies. Spoiler alert. <laughs> this movie's sad, too. People but die in it, which I appreciate it. Yeah, no. A lot of people fucking die in these movies. I know. I, I, it's crazy. A lot of times in, like, particularly disaster movies, particularly from, like, the 70s and 80s, like, there's no real stakes. Like, nothing no. really bad. Like, characters who have, like, one line die. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You don't give a shit, but yeah. Poseidon Adventure, don't get attached to anybody. Yeah. Because it's going to be like the end of fucking Deep Blue Sea. They're just, <laughs> you think they're all safe. Right. And then that shark's going to come and eat that lady. And you're like, That's oh, true. wow. And I'm pretty sure LL Cool J got vaccinated. Pretty sure. Let's call him right now. Let's Brian, up, you guys remember? Call him up. <laughs> also, I got to say in the Poseidon Adventure, that scene where the waves start to get nuts and it actually flips the boat over. Still looks really good to me and oh. really freaked me out as a kid. Yeah. Like, really, I was like, whoa, this is way more intense than I thought, like, some goofy movie was going to be. And, yeah. It looks great. It's 50 years old. I saw this randomly on a school day where I was homesick. And it's one of those movies where it's like, okay, I have a fever. This won't be as good as when I see it the next time. HBO aired it later in the day. My fever had broke. I was like, holy shit, this is so good. I know. You know what's funny is? Not on brand for blocks. I think I rented it from the library. Nice. <laughs> on VHS. A little time warp for anyone born. Uh, there used to be a thing called the library, right? Where you could go and you could rent movies there too, but they never had like new releases or no. anything. You just kind of had to be like planet of the apes. eh? like mm. maybe I'll watch this. And, uh, and the side adventure, I was like, Hmm. Boat sinking. Yep. Gene Hackman. All right, I'll give it a whirl. They had you at sinking. We they were, I, yeah. yeah. And uh, hey, Ma, I want to rent a movie. I'm going to the library. <laughs> Some of the worst movies I've ever seen were movies I rented from the library. <laughs> Some of my favorite movies were movies I rented from the library. It was much more of a grab bag. Yeah. It really, it was like, what they got? Here's what we got. You know, it's free. It's free. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> pick it out. There's like 40 VHS tapes. Pick one, idiot. I don't uh, trust you from chimpanzee <laughs> to chimpanzee. Because <laughs> you finally made you finally made a monkey out of me. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. That's amazing. Any other Poseidon adventure thoughts? I, um, I, I love I, it. I go everywhere. Land, sea, air. So it starts with a New Year's Eve scene? I haven't seen it in a while. 
There is a New Year's Eve scene, right? I think they crash at New Year's. They as crash. They crash at I, that's what it yeah. is. Yes, they're like at the ball. That's yeah. even more fun. Like that's what it is. Yes, this is and where. Like, oh, we'll have a good goddamn time. Oh, you're gonna have a New Year. Guess what? You're gonna sink. You're gonna say New Year's gonna suck. Or it's better now because you're alive and you can start getting into weird stuff because your personality is gonna change because you're like. It's also weird. Like Gene Hackman punches an octopus in the face because mm-hmm. he's a tough guy. He starts kissing it. Uh-huh. And the tentacles start coming out. He's like, and then, oh, I don't know if I like this, but he does. What's yours? My number three. Number three. Pick for New Year's Eve films. I'll be quicker about it. My number three is Ghostbusters 2. Did it take too long? No. Neither of us are taking too long. I just, Ghostbusters 2, I have to say, it is not as funny as Ghostbusters 1, but it is scarier than Ghostbusters 1. And it has better production value in certain ways. They had more money. And there's certain things about the coming new year and how it has this weird magical vortex, not magical, supernatural vortex that is coming. And possibly if you have a baby and you work in an art gallery because you used to be in an orchestra that translates directly into working at a museum. But she's leaving the museum to go back to the orchestra. Correct. Fancy jobs are interchangeable. Yeah. And also Vikings, particularly like Bulgarian-y kind of ones, scary. All right? Especially when you overdub their voices. Oh, absolutely. And if you got like a little funny lackey guy, like, is Vigo, right? Everything you're doing is wrong. They're going to try to steal your baby. They're going to try to turn it into a painting. And if you're lucky, Rick Moranis will save you. Okay. And I used to be a dog and these guys saved me. <laughs> I got to say of New Year's movies, New York, New Year's Eve movies often work even like double, like they're a multiplier, right? If you have New Year's in New York, Christmas scenes in New York, in cinema, it has this kind of multiplication effect in which I don't know. I, I can't even really explain it all the way. It just is in America's biggest maybe once cultural hub. I don't know. It still is all the way, but it has the sort of zeitgeist of what to do with cool decorations, cool traditions and cool behavior. And the Ghostbusters have fallen on hard times and they have to have a new year. They have to have a new start. And in order for that to happen, they need to be covered in a very sexual slime. And it has to scare the shit out of me at certain points. Nick, what do you think about Ghostbusters 2? In October, I watched this. It was on mm. Prime. Mm. I got like 40 minutes in. Mm. I did not laugh once. Uh, not once. Not once. Bummer. Yeah. Valentine's Day. I just feel like everything they did was like a trailer pull. Sometimes when you make a masterpiece, when you make a great album, making that second album. Is, I know. Yeah. I mean, like Dan, when Huey Lewis and the News made sports too. Yeah. Like nobody wants to hear sports. Two. Two. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I will say, that's the thing is like for a long time, I was very disappointed in Ghostbusters 2. I saw it in the theater with my dad and for a long time, I was kind of disappointed. And then when I kind of went back and watched it a few times, I have to say, if you just this time take this Ghostbusters adventure as not a comedy, it is just kind of a horror movie. Also, we discussed this before. I don't hold Ghostbusters in the same that's fair. Super high regard that you do. Fair. Which is just 
like it wasn't even comparing it to Ghostbusters 2. Mm. Like if anything, I was just comparing it to other 80s movies. Fair. Set in New York. I might have watched a whole hour of it. Mm. And I was just like, all right, I'm going to go do something else now. But like I sat through an hour of this movie. Like I hate fucking Dan Aykroyd in this movie. He's particularly. Yeah. Canadian. And then Bill Murray is not funny or. They had to like cajole him into doing it. Yeah. They had to like trick him. They literally were like, Bill, in here is a bunch of of cigars and cocaine. He's like, no, it isn't. That's a room where you're going to grab me yeah. and put a bag over my head and put a Ghostbusters cast. No, it's not, Bill. I'm telling you, it's not. It is. Everybody said that the, sh- the script they signed up for was not anything like they shot. No. Yeah. I heard that too. Ivan Reitman even complained. Yeah. It's, it's definitely on many levels, but it is interesting that it's become kind of a cult classic because it's the Ghostbusters. And yeah. they just, I just remembered that the whole movie is kind of a New Year's Eve movie. It's the changing, like it's an equinox movie. If this aligns on this to this moment. And it's kind of like the opposite of a lot of New Year's Eve movies where it's something bad that is happening. Yeah. The stars are aligning for the New Year's. The moon will be blacked out into the sun. Like, I don't know. I just thought that was kind of fun. No, I like all the dark stuff. It's just. It's worth a not, watch. It's worth a watch. It's just, I couldn't finish it. That's fair. That's fair. Should we move on to your number two? Yeah. Let's do it. Nicholas, what is your number two? Getting close to the end. Uh, my number two is Airheads. Uh, no. <laughs> my number two is Phantom Thread. Oh, very, very nice. Phantom Thread, if you haven't seen it, is the Paul Thomas Anderson film from 2017, where Daniel Day Lewis, in his final role, is a fashion designer. Final role? He is, yeah. He's doing shoes again? I don't think he's cobbling. I think he's just done. <laughs> Tool Scorsese, like, yeah. the symptom. And then uh, Leslie Manville plays his sister, and Vicky Creeps plays his wife, Cripes. Mm-hmm. Very small pancakes, very thin pancakes. Very thin pancakes. The New Year's Eve scene in this is kind of... Oh, it's transcendent. It's breathtaking. It's amazing. Yeah. It's one of those things where he doesn't want to go out, she's get pissed, she goes out without him, he shows up, She's having a fucking blast and he has to go down there and ruin her time. And it turns out he didn't ruin her time. She wanted him to show up. They have a great fucking time. The production design on this is insane. He goes full Kubrick. Mm. Like it is gorgeous. Agreed. And this is the movie where he started shooting his own movies. Yeah. So he set all this up. He set up the lighting. He He doesn't even give himself credit for cinematography on this. And then Daniel Day Lewis and Vicky Crepes, very thin pancakes. Um, <laughs> they are phenomenal together. I would watch them do anything. Like I would watch cut the, fabric. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> only PT could cut out could pull off a movie in which people are just half of the movie sort of pulling out fabric and drawing on fabric with pencils and things, and it's somehow riveting. Not just that, but like get people to go see it and pay extra money because it's on 70 millimeter. God, it's so fucking good looking. It's so good looking. I saw this on 70 millimeter three times. And this is the day back in the movie pass. So I was waiting for Jess Rose to get out of work. I'm like, (laughs) fuck it. I'll go see Phantom Thread for the third time this week. I get it. Like, oh, man. And then balloon drop. And then just the other part of this. And the other part that we don't talk about is like. 
when you're the last people at the party. Mm. They're the last people at the party. They're in the chairs. They're surrounded by all the remnants of New Year's Eve and the people cleaning up. And it's like this big hurrah. And it's the same thing with like Lady Bird. Like yeah. you are, you are not necessarily doing what you want to do, but you wound up with the person or the people you wanted to be with the most. I couldn't agree with you more. That element of like APT has several pretty good fucking New Year's. Yeah, we got P- one more to talk about. PT has some interesting New Year's stuff, and also that PT has a very great sense of these kinds of things where. His romantic endings are truly romantic and transcendent because they are and they are not Hollywood magic. You know what I'm saying? They are different, but also sort of echo in yeah. the Hollywoodness. Like it is an amazing end to this fabulous scene and fabulous movie, but also it is so unique to itself. And I, yeah, that we just kiss right as the ball drops. We come together, you know, you were on a plane, but you got off the plane and no, no, like, no, no, that's not how these you two characters are. me. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck it. What else am I going to do? Yeah. I show up to the stupid thing. I showed up to your stupid we thing. We watch butthole surfers. <laughs> I missed human cannonball. Yeah. And I'm upset about it, but you know what? They close with pepper. So we're still going to have a good time. That's a Hollywood magic. That's a little. Yeah. No, I love it. They close with pepper. Yeah. They do. And cinnamon and sugary. Also, for the record, I don't know if I've said this on here multiple times or not at all, but Human Cannonball by the Butthole Surfers is the greatest song ever written. That whole album is great. Oh, yeah. But just, oh, man. In the era where you would buy an album just because you heard one song on the radio you liked and you had to roll the dice... You like that song enough. Yeah. I'll pay you the 15 bucks to get this out and see. And that time, dice rolled good. I know. Like, basically at that point, it's like buying CDs for one song in the 90s and early 2000s is basically like the Gen X version of Deer Hunter. Did <laughs> you? On the holiday episode, it's time for a Russian roulette joke. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Out. Yo, fuck you, Michael Camino. I love Phantom Thread. I gotta say, though, you know something crazy? I have seen Phantom Thread one time. Okay. Yeah. Uno. Same for Taps. I saw it in the theater. I enjoyed it very, very much. But it's not that I didn't want to go. I'm going to go back and watch it again. I suppose because of this... Because of the possibility of a new year, of a new, of a new me, where I have an entirely different personality, I'm going to go back and watch Phantom Thread again. Instead of just watching it hair and vice over and over again. Because I love it. I mean, that is a (laughs) solid choice, though. (laughs) It's it's not the best PT as a filmmaker, but it is my favorite PT. It is the most. It's pretty great. It's the most fun. If you have my exact personality, my exact taste, it yeah, is though PT came through the ether and was like, I made a movie for you, bro. Like specifically for you. Like, no, you did. Oh my God. He fucking, you did. I'm going to move on to mine. Unless you have any other phantom thread thoughts. Danny Lewis, just fucking stop Ooh. it. Make another movie. Make a movie, man. Come on. Don't. 
take your talent away from us. Maybe six years in a couple, like he's dicking around. He's going to come back. He's taking a break. I get it. I will say maybe more than any other actor, male, female, robot, clone, whatever. If you were to tell me that literally he loses charge from his sorcerer magic oh, yeah. and has to recharge, that guy does shit that no one else does. Like no one else. Yeah. Like there are amazing actors. He fools you into thinking that his monologues mm-hmm. are enough to get you to watch, to care about the entire three hours of Lincoln. Or f- civilization is crumbling. Like the idea of someone waking you up and wearing an American flag over their shoulders by performed by anyone else, it would go wrong. And you put that guy there and he's Bill the Butcher. It's preposterous. I hated Lincoln. You know, I only liked it because of him. Me too. Because I like watching him do stuff. I'll watch him slap fucking Third Rock from the Sun over and over again. Wait, he fights John Lithgow? (laughs) (laughs) John, if you're listening, come on the show. Yes, please, please. You were awesome as the bad guy in Cliffhanger. And Ricochet. My number two, I'm going to (laughs) do... I have a conundrum here, okay? I'll let you guys decide. Diner or Radio Days? I rewatch Diner. Yeah, okay. All right. It's got a stacked cast. Yeah. That's a little toss out. Woody Allen is a mega creep. Yeah. Unfortunately, he also is an amazing filmmaker. Radio Days. No, I know. I I would... A preposterously good film. Like I wish I still watch his films. Yes, but I can't separate the art and the artist. But I every spring, every fall, mm-hmm. I miss watching. Everyone says I love you, which also has a uh, New Year's Eve scene in it. Yeah, that's not great. He's scene. he's got a lot of good New Year's. I'll give him that. Yeah, he has almost as many good New Year's Eve scenes as creepy older dude with a seventeen year old girl scenes. Um, almost. Almost. That definitely, that, I mean, that's an entire film. That's fair. Um, Diner is a Barry Levinson film starring Mickey Rourke back when he was super handsome, starring Steve Gutenberg. I was going to say The Goot. The Goot, starring Paul Reiser. Super baby Paul Reiser, who's amazeballs. Diner blew my mind because it's another one that I saw. It had actors. I remember the cover of it at Blockbuster. It is an ensemble film of lots of white people, but it is set yeah. in like 1950s Baltimore. And it's one of those movies where in lots of ways it shouldn't work as well as it does. You know what I'm saying? It shouldn't be as powerful as it is. It shouldn't be as fascinating as it is. And it's just truly this amazing ensemble movie. Daniel Stern, Kevin Bacon. It's about these friends kind of, coming out of being young men into having to go into adulthood and what they're going to do with their lives. And some of that shit goes wrong. Some of it goes awesome. Some of it is you have a new year's Eve wedding in which you have your entire wedding themed like the Baltimore Colts. Nick, what do you think of diner? I haven't seen diner in a long time, but I remember really liking it. And also just, I saw this and that fucking Noah Baumbach movie, Kicking and Screaming. I saw Kicking and Screaming <laughs> and Diner. God, I almost had it. At I the same time. Not the one with Will Ferrell no, no, and no. fucking Mike Ditka. Dick, fuck Ditka. <laughs> so these two movies culminated in me like 
having my first existential crisis yes. about getting older Ooh. as like a 12 year old. <laughs> so thank you, Barry Levinson. Thank this you, Noah Baumbach. We are great friends, but that is the difference in our personalities is I was like, Ooh, I can't wait to fucking like smoke cigarettes and wear like my tux like half open and like, well, I can't wait to smoke cigarettes either way, <laughs> but I'm just saying Ellen Barkin. I know. Honestly, I think it might've literally made me be attracted to women who look like Ellen Barkin because of that movie. I have to toss that. I mean, most of her movies make you. I know, but something about that movie. Sea of Love, anybody? I've never actually seen that. I just know that because of uh, of Wings. (laughs) Holiday party. Holiday party. That's fair. All I have to say is there's an amazingly hilarious, insane wedding scene that culminates this whole thing. It is also on New Year's, which they also complain about. They are this entire group. You know, it's a nice slice of life of I was not alive at this time period, but it sure feels like it was an element of Hollywood magic to a time warp to a time that feels like what maybe your grandparents behaved like when they were in their twenties. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, Oh, that's why they say that weird slang. It seems cool when it comes out of young people. (laughs) All right. It's time for the Blockbuster Film School Dumpster. Nick, what is your dumpster pick? Well, I'm going to toss this out there. Uh oh. I could either go serious Ooh. or I could go funny. You know what? I'm going to say, in the spirit of the holidays, funny. Okay. My dumpster pick. No, I'm going to do both. Okay, I have two, I have two. <laughs> do it. I'm going to do both. It's so, a holiday party. Holiday Brian party. has his shirt off. Yeah. He's got cocaine all over his face. He's got laundry. Uh, I think it's cocaine. He keeps saying it's fentanyl. Oh, he's, uh, he's yeah. not enough. He's definitely got fucking um, <laughs> clothespins on his nipples. <laughs> so my funny pick is while you're sleeping because... You like that movie? I seriously like that movie. <laughs> you mentioned it every episode. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm like, no, I, no, no, I love no. that you do. Oh, no, I, not while you were sleeping. No, no, no. What's the fucking one with Tom Hanks? Sleepless in Seattle. Sleepless in Seattle. That scene is kind of epic. Yeah. yeah. Sleepless in Seattle is amazing. Yes. It's a fucking good movie. Yes. It's my dumpster pick as a joke because you have this trilogy of Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks movies. You have mm-hmm. Joe versus the Volcano, which is... Epic and amazing. And then you follow it up with Sleepless in Seattle, which is also, it's not as epic, but it is amazing. It's pretty good. It's the only Nora Ephron movie I really like. Oh, man. Like, it just pulls on all your emotions. Also, Gabby Hoffman's in it as a little kid. Yeah. I was a little kid when it came out. It's cool for that. I love her still. Also, Bill Pullman as the schmuck. What a fucking schmuck. What a fuck. His sweaters. Oh, my God. (laughs) He's like one of those Ryan Gosling characters who's like, I saved jazz. Um, <laughs> Sleeps in Seattle is so good that you knew they were going to make a third movie with the two of them. Yes. And it was just going to be complete shit. Mm. And I blame Sleeps in Seattle for us getting You've Got Mail. A movie that even by the time it came out was so outdated. I know. I know. I, did I tell you this? I went back and watched, forced myself to watch You've Got Mail. and. It's not great. Yeah. But Dabney Coleman, right? Who He's plays dead. his dad. Yeah. <laughs> the season of Dabney Coleman 
and Dave Chappelle were, yeah. were genuinely kind of amusing. That's but then all. you also have Borders books crushing. Yes. You know, Local, Barbara's books. To be fair, they did bring up gentrification before yeah. kind of anybody else did. Yeah. So that's my joke pick because it's too good for anything else to follow up. I agree. My serious pick is Money Train because... <laughs> This is not white men can't jump. On the MC. <laughs> Sorry, that made me cough. <laughs> Hold on, wait, wait for Alex to breathe. If there was ever a Hollywood title for like how, like I don't give a shit. <laughs> He's, I want some money out of this. Fucking call. I don't know. Money train, train of money coming into my fucking bank account. Like it's so bad. It's dumb. And then also, I'm not sure, but I think the bad guy is Chris Cooper. Yes, he is. And he's just like, yeah, it's Chris Cooper. Oh, actually, the real bad guy is Robert Blake, which he's never done anything. Make you think he's a creepy asshole. No. Murderer's wife. (laughs) Sorry. I coughed that. Yeah. I'll just straight up say it. He fucking murdered his wife. (laughs) You cunt. Um, David Lynch is like, this is interesting. (laughs) I'm in your living room right now. Anyways. It's cool because he's an actual murderer. Yeah. No, Money Train sucks. It just fucking sucks. I hate it. Yes. I've watched it more than once, too, because I'm an idiot. Came out in like 96 or 98. Yeah. So I was still a dumbass. I'm stupid now. There's a difference. Yeah. Brian was asking us which is worse, Money Train or the taking of Pelham 123, the remake starring fourth in command of Scientology and National Treasure, Denzel Washington. And I still got to agree with Nick that it's Money Train just barely. Only because Travolta in a bald cap yeah. being like a bad guy is kind of hilarious. And it's <laughs> honestly worth like, now I'm going to get you, Dins. It's like, what is that? You're a very tough gangster, John Travolta. Okay. You know, he's played John Gotti, right? And don't you Directed be Directed by that asshole from fucking Entourage. And Vincent Vega does seem like a very tough gangster, but that's by a better director who understands that very tough gangsters don't behave like very tough gangsters. They I don't know, like man. He, got, like he got shot coming out of the shitter. By a even more badass. No, fucking- you don't leave your gun outside when you're staking out somebody's apartment. Because you're kind of soulful. You're just reading your book. That's his fault. Nah. Also, he's high on heroin. <laughs> Oh, that's what it is. Anyways, <laughs> Money Train fucking sucks. What's your, what's your dumpster pick? My dumpster pick is kind of on brand. It is a 2011 movie that I watched on a plane one time called New Year's Eve. Oh, I can't believe it. I don't know anyone. It has a 7% seen that. on Rotten Tomatoes. It was directed by Gary Marshall, his last movie. R.I.P. Gary Marshall. This You did not deserve this. Uh, by that is, point, he already made Valentine's Day and that other one, right? Oh, it's bad. Like the same movies. Let me just read you something very quick. Intertwining stories promise love, hope, forgiveness, second chances, and more for a number of New Yorkers on the celebrated night. A rock star, John Bon Jovi, and his ex-lover, Catherine Heigl, clash at an exclusive party. A singer, Leah Michelle, becomes stranded with a killjoy, Ashton Kutcher. On the way to a New Year's gig, a nurse, Halle Berry, stays with a dying patient, Robert De Niro. What are you doing? As he tries to hang on long enough to see the ball drop in Times Square one last time. That's what I gots to see. I gots to see Ryan Seacrest. I gots to one last time, baby. One last time. I have an Oscar. I was in Goodfellas. He has two Oscars. That movie costs $142 million to make. 
Because they had to pay all these motherfuckers to be in this piece of shit. I made $56 million to the buy. Who, who went to see it to make $56 million? Yeah, I've never heard of it. It is as if Nick Kroll on Kroll Show made a movie making fun of these movies, but they actually made it and it wasn't self-aware. You know what I'm saying? Like it is a fucking abomination. Everyone in that movie should be ashamed of themselves. Okay? Every single one of them, including Bobby De Niro. Bobby, okay. Let's let's just I know he did it because Gary Marshall saved his no, life no, no, one no. time. I get no, it. No, 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 no. I'm gonna be serious right now. Right. After Meet the Parents, Robert De Niro just said yes to everything. He I, has been in so much goddamn terrible shit, including the Irishman. Michelle Pfeiffer is in it. <laughs> I mean Hillary Swank is in it. There are people who are in this movie who like don't have to do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Who are not on like a I don't give a shit anymore tour. Well, I mean, Hillary Swank has to do it. She has two Oscars, but she has not been in anything. Abigail Breslin, did she have to do it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, she's <laughs> Yeah. She's Abigail Breslin. The fuck else is she doing? I don't know. They had to cover up all of Zach Efron's face tattoos with makeup. It's bad. It's real stupid. It sounds terrible. And it's a nightmare. And um, honestly, I think if there was ever a harbinger of the Antichrist in the end of the world, it's the 2011 movie called New Year's Eve. It's called, what should we call this movie? What should we name the title of this movie? What if we just call it exactly what the cash grab is? New Year's Eve. That's right. That's right. If there's exactly what we're talking about of how cheeseball Hollywood could be with fucking, it is that horseshit movie. I literally, it was on a screen while I was trapped in a flying Tylenol in the sky. And it's just there on the screen. I can't look away. It's just there. And then finally I'm like, Oh God, I have to listen to some of this. And then I'm listening. And the dialogue is like horrific. It is. It has a 7% on rotten tomatoes. You guys like nothing but trouble has like an 11%. Whoever those seven people are should be rounded up. They should be like, just rounded up, put on like an Island or just like, Away, away. Manhattan Island? So they can see the ball drop? <laughs> I gotta see the ball drop one last time. That's why I stayed alive. <laughs> and then randomly, De Niro just goes, bring me a teenager. <laughs> All right, Nick, let's close this bad boy out. What is your number one pick here on New Year's Eve? We both have our shirts off. We're wearing plastic top hats. The goddamn confetti is falling down. They're going to play that goofy-ass Irish song that is really a cool old druid song that has been turned into a drunken moron song. What is your number one pick? Talk about uh, Big Bottoms by Spinal Tamp. Is that the song? <laughs> uh, it's in danger of being crushed by a dwarf. I'm leaving you with Boogie Nights. I already had one. I'm not doing Boogie Nights. No, what are you doing? I'm going to tell you when I get there, baby. All right. What's yours? My number one is the Hudsucker Proxy. Ooh, nice. I... Absolutely love this fucking movie. Mm -hmm. It is Joel and Ethan Cohen when they were still brothers who made <laughs> movies. You got Tim Robbins, Jennifer Jason Lee, Paul Newman, Bill Cobb, Charles Jernings, the fat guy, John Mahoney's in this, and Nicole Smith has a cameo as Zaza. <laughs> Steve Buscemi's the beatnik bartender, Sam Raimi as Hudsucker Brainstormer. Woo! And John Goodman as Rockwell Newsreel announcer. Hell this yeah. movie. Yeah. This movie is sort of fucking perfect. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's also rated PG, which is insane 
for the Coen brothers. There's a shot by Roger Deakins. Yeah. So it looks amazing. Always. This movie ends on New Year's Eve with Tim Robbins jumping off the building. He gets stopped from falling because Bill Cobb puts a broom into a clock. He goes, I'm really not supposed to do this. <laughs> and then Charles Durning's angel comes down from heaven and just saves Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins gets put in charge of the Hudsucker Prost. company company <laughs> because he's a fucking idiot. And Paul Newman wants to crash the stock so much he can buy it all himself and control the company. And he turns out to be the idiot savant who will save us all. He invents the hula hoop. I love it. You know, for kids. He's walking around. He's like, I've been working on this for 10 years. And it's a circle. And he goes, you know, for kids. Hawaiian culture is like, they're doing the thing where they yeah. run their hand or their neck. They're like, but otherwise. Otherwise, yeah. <laughs> but this movie has fun with history. It has fun. It's just a fun fucking movie. It's so great. It's so great. Paul Newman destroys everybody in this. He's amazing. There's a scene where Tim Robbins is falling out the window and he's holding by his pants and he's got a cigar in his mouth. He looks up at his the stitching and he goes, he thinks back to when he got his pants tailored. I don't remember exactly. Let's call him Giuseppe. He's just like, <laughs> do you want to do the double stitching? He's like, why? So I could line your pockets money? No. And then they cut to Giuseppe going, Oh, he's such a good customer. Uh, I give him the double stitching. And that's what saves his fucking life. I love it. Which one's the fun, Cohen? Is it Joel who directs the fun ones and Ethan who directs the dark ones? Yeah. Is that right? I think yeah. that's right. I think that, it's yeah. It's a Joel Cohen movie. Yeah, it's a Joel. It is an ultimate Joel Cohen movie. It's so good. Also, the dialogue they've written in this, it's so snappy and quippy, especially with Jennifer Jason Lee, where she's like, the old timey reporter. She's like, oh, ah, rah, rah. I'd watch her just like read the newspaper to me. Like if I had bazillions of dollars, like Jennifer Jason Lee is transcendently cool. She's amazing. She's amazing. Interesting that you chose that one as a new year's Eve movie as a fight against anarcho capitalism, because the movie I chose is my number one. Literally Joe Bonner bought it as a VHS tape and was like, you guys got to see this. And Terminator it, 2 is not a no, no, movie. No, no, no. It also goes through the entire holiday season. I will give them this. But it is one of my I know your movie. all-time favorite movies. It is called Trading Places, starring Mr. Edward Murphy, Mr. Dan Aykroyd, and maybe his best thing ever, Jamie Lee Curtis, transcendently cool, Don Amici. It is maybe the last truly great John Landis movie. No, that's not true. John Landis made some stuff happen. Yeah. But it is before. Before. It is, it is before the helicopter. <laughs> so but before he killed Vic Morrow. It still is hilarious. It still is insane. And it still presents the same thing that if you let rich douchebags run around fucking with people without fucking repercussion they're just gonna keep doing it there is no such thing as trickle-down economics they will ruin anybody they want for fun and nonsense and the only way to fight back is to fight fire with fire and also switch places like a prince in the popper sort of story i don't know i don't know what i'm talking about but it's fucking hilarious and it culminates in one of the great new year's eve scenes of all time in which 
your heroes, financially ruin the villains. And then, I don't know, it's such a great fucking movie where in like these times of great darkness and of people being mean to each other and bad to each other based on all kinds of things, based on economic levels, social levels, racial levels. It's like, no, all these people who were fucked with and thrown away all came together to fuck over the system. (laughs) And in the end, they all drink champagne and are like, we're rich now. It's the most bizarro American movie. And if there is a fantasy to have on New Year's, it is that you ruin your enemies and have best friends. <laughs> like I like yeah. that one more than any of the sort of romantic ones that I genuinely appreciate and love. I, I do as a Hollywood fanatic, I suppose like the romantic stuff, but man, that is a take is like a new year's we win. <laughs> We beat the bad guys at their own game. If you've never seen Trading Places, please. Nick, what do you think of Trading Places? Trading Places is one of those movies where I bought it for my dad on every format. He owned the VHS, bought the DVD, bought the Blu-ray. I handed him the Laserdisc, and he's like, what is this, a vinyl? I still, to this day, if I have an expensive piece in my hand and start tossing it back and forth, I go, what, am I going to do some Metal Arc Lemon shit with this? Like... There are pieces of that movie that just live inside of my brain. Yeah. They just live there now. Like, there are a lot of times you probably have heard me where I will wake up in the morning and fall asleep in the toilet and then I will wake up and my legs are asleep. And then when I finally have a chance to stand up, I got legs. I got legs. It's a miracle. I have legs. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis's boobs will save you just in general. There, there is not too creepily, but literally like as a kid was like, no, this is impossible. Everybody paused it. Everybody like, paused that scene. Like, <laughs> seeming a joke on wings. Also, just that I would watch it over and over again, though. I still watch it over and over. It's again. hilarious. It is absolutely hilarious. Also, just of encompasses a bunch of holidays. There's a part where Dan Aykroyd. In one of his best performances in anything, where he is hammered, dressed up like Santa Claus, yeah. with a gun, eating a giant piece of salmon that he stole that is still kind of in his Santa Claus beard. It's amazing. It still stands up. I understand there is a brief period where Dan Aykroyd has blackface on that's unfortunate, but they are trying to trick people and the whole point is that they're morons. I don't think they're like, I don't know, but. Needless to say, I will say this because it's been a great episode, but real super fast speed round. Brian has an honorable mention. I have to say Ocean's Eleven, both the original and the first one have a pretty good New Year's Eve scene. Boogie Nights, we kind of mentioned it. Has I didn't bring it up because like a couple of the news it's fucking downer, man. There's some dark. It's shit. Also, the same reason why I did not bring up Fruitville Station, which is the first Ryan Coogler film. Yes. Michael B. Jordan's in it. He is outstanding. It's very well directed. Heartbreaking. It's so draining and heartbreaking. Life is just also a trans- brutal and endless. A mega classic transcendent scene. Michael Corleone kissing his older dopey brother who shouldn't even be involved in any of this shit and blaming it on him. Fredo, I knew it was you. 
you broke my heart as the fucking confetti comes down. And it's just like the monstrousness yeah. of all of it, of the foolish. Oh, also in the same level, the same pantheon of Godfather part two mm-hmm. about a boy. Mm-hmm. I do love that movie. Tony Collette's Nicholas Holt in his first fucking movie. He's a bit. He's amazing. I love Nicole. And like Hugh Grant's at his fucking best. The White's brothers. When they were still making movies together. When the how many brother teams have broken man, up? I thought it was just fucking Oasis. It's everybody. <laughs> um No, About a Boy is amazing. Rachel Vise again, oh, bring God. her up over and over. Yes. Man, I watch About a Boy every year, and it's still just it's a great it's, movie. It's a great movie. Parts of it are super fucking depressing. Yeah. But also, I wish when I was a kid and I was depressed or just telling people bad news, there's that scene where he's talking to you, Grant. I just wish there was an adult around just to go, fuck. Yeah. Because that was like, that literally changed that kid's life. He's like, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. That made it easier. And also the duality of the title that this man child who has been living the entire time in his goofy ass man child life and then suddenly has the mildest amounts of responsibility. And he then is like, oh, what the fuck have I been doing? I know (laughs) he goes to the mom support class, (laughs) uh, single parents alone together (laughs) to be like, you need to keep your son away from me. She's like, why? What's going on? He's like. I don't want him around. He's like, no, you've made a connection. This is real. He's a child. You have to do this now. <laughs> His dad wrote some stupid song. Yeah. And now he's it's just does whatever stupid shit he wants. And oh, it's so good. I also have to toss out. I know you don't like this movie. I know you don't like Zemeckis. And it is low on my totem pole of Zemeckis movies. But the scene where all the confetti comes down. It's around, a great scene. I well, like around Lieutenant Dan, and you literally see Lieutenant Dan like be like, I have to change my fucking life. Yeah. I can't hang around these morons anymore. And the last of the speed round that I will bring up is... I feel like we have to mention 200 cigarettes. 200 cigarettes. And for no other reason, the whole movie takes place I was, on New Year's Eve. Same yes. thing with Four Rooms. Four Rooms. They're super 90s yes. ensembles pieces to a point where Four Rooms is directed by four directors. Yes. Including Robert Rodriguez, Quentin Tarantino, Allison Anders, and Alexander Rockwell. Like, yeah. It's like you went to Sundance and we're like, oh, you guys all signed a deal? You want to make a sh- thing where... You make Tim Roth do some silly shit and no one's really like any of it. Okay, cool. Sweet. It is. <laughs> it is the Brian appetizer Tops, sampler. Yeah. It is the appetizer sampler. What do they call it? Red Lobster. It's like the captain's platter or something. Like it's yeah. like something ridiculous. How many vegetables would you like to try that have been deep fried? Oh, I mean, if they're deep fried. Yeah, exactly. A personal favorite of mine, the movie Mermaids in 1990 with Cher and Winona Ryder and Christina Ricci and Bob Hoskins are I fucking key. Yeah. And Love that movie. Man, Robert Benjamin directed it. Richard Benjamin, terribly sorry. And the ending is that really cool New Year's Eve party. That one is like one of those 90s trajomedies. I don't know. Like, it's funny, but it's sad. But that ending, kind of dope. And it's New Year's. And anything can happen, Brian. Because it's New Year's. Anything can happen. Woo! Woo! Anything.
think did oh have it. We did. Oh, oh God. dude. Oh, sorry. We got to go. There's thousands of people oh, flooding in. I'm it, so drunk. I shit my pants. Oh, they're in the blockbuster. Fil- uh, guys, we got to go. We're in the blockbuster. Fil- oh, there's thousands of people. Oh, look. Fucking Ben Affleck's here. Oh, look oh, at God. Oh, Hide the quaaludes. Oh, she's wearing a, an entire mesh bodysuit. Sweet. All right. Well, team, I hope you have a grand old new year. Solid, solid time. Well, we got to go to the party team. It was a grand old time. Glad you were here for a bit of it. I'm Alex Bonner with Nicholas Souter. Ben Affleck, get away from my cocaine. And super producer Brian Tip. So he's, in all fairness, Brian did pay for it all. That is true. And he's got a lampshade on his head. And old school party time. Back then it was just fun. Now it's a serious drinking problem. All right, team. We will see you very, very soon. Thank you so much. Happy for New Year's. Happy New Year's. Happy New Year, assholes. In the Chicago parlance, Happy New Year's. Happy Congratulations New Year's, on living shits. this long, you fucking idiot. All right. We heart you. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to wait for fucking one. dick. Go. I don't got to work tomorrow. I'll watch football. I'll be all fucking hungover and shit. I'll go fucking get some boobies or fucking super Yeah, I know, something. but it's also February, so really we have to go to work. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All, all right, right, team. All right. We will see you guys next time. Thanks right. for being fans of the Blockbuster Film School. Congratulations. Nostrovia. <laughs>